0: Welcome to Life Church. We are an X two forty two community, a family on a mission to bring the life of Jesus to Warrington. We hope you're ready to hear what God has to say to you today through His Word and by His Spirit. So we're going to read first um, from Matthew six, and then we'll crack on. Um, Matthew six, verse five, and when you pray. as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive others when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. So I haven't always lived in England. You probably know that already from my accent. Um, I grew up in South Africa, and I went to university in a little town um, in the Eastern Cape called Grahamstown. Now, Grahamstown is a is a nice little place. Um, it's quite a small city. It's probably smaller than Warrington, but it has a cathedral, so it has this, this, oh, you know, it's now a city. So there's some sense of importance, but it's actually really a little place. But there's a big university there. So during term time, it's full of students. And then it empties out over the holidays and it becomes this tiny little place and you realize how small it is. Um, and Grahamstown is also the, it's where four bands of weather systems meet. And the joke is that the British settlers settled in Grahamstown because the weather felt like home. Um, and. I remember one afternoon um, I had an afternoon lecture, but I had some some time bet- bet- between lunch and that lecture, so I went home, which was uh, about a maybe a, a twenty to half an hour walk up a big hill um, and had a lovely lunch. But as I was eating my lunch, the clouds grew dark and heavy um, and South Africa is not really known for rain so much. And so I was told there's no such thing as bad weather, just bad clothes. And so I had a raincoat, which was clearly bad, because it wasn't really suited for rain. I'd, I'd bought it because it looked trendy. I thought, oh, this looks nice. Um, but in the rain, it didn't help. I got wet, um, which is really, you know, who buys a raincoat that gets you wet in the rain? But yes, yeah, so I was sitting, heating my lunch and looking at this rain going, oh. Lord, I don't want to have to walk half an hour in this horrible rain. Um, and I kind of, the prayer was kind of, it wasn't even a particularly passionate and zealous and, and fervent scripture based prayer. It was just like, Lord, please make the rain stop. And about two minutes before I left, was a beam of sun broke through the clouds and the rain cleared off and you could smell the wet earth. And the sun came out and it was the most awesome walk down that hill with my useless raincoat and I was completely dry at the end. And something about that made me so excited. I was like, God, listen to me. He answered my prayers. It was dry, I didn't get wet, it was wonderful. I spoke to my mom on the phone that evening and she was like, What's up with you? I was like, God heard me. He answered. It didn't rain. And she kind of said, okay. (laughs) Now, my mom's a believer, but a little prayer like that doesn't seem like something to get excited about. But I was filled with such exuberance and enthusiasm that God had heard me, that he cared. And I think that's something, all our prayers should be like that. My prayer life over the years has been up, way up, as you can see, and way down here, too. Weeks and weeks of saying, hmm, I don't even fancy praying. It's a journey. It's a relationship. But prayer is so central to our Christian life, so central. Flick on, thanks. One more, thank you. Um, There's this quote from Martin Luther, to be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Prayer is our very breath when it comes to our Christian walk. And if, if you think about your prayer life right now, it's like a temperature gauge of where you are with God. Are you hot or are you cold? Because prayer is so much about that relationship. Prayer is in everything. And I've actually got a list. Wait, before I get to the list, let me just talk about how mysterious this thing is. Prayer is talking with God, who is beyond our perception. And it's completely mysterious. Um, C.S. Lewis talks about in, in Mere Christianity how prayer... Our very goal in prayer is to reach towards God. But the thing that actually motivates us to pray is also God. And the way in which we can talk to God is through the bridge of God. So the Trinity, all three persons of the Trinity are at work in that very simple, ordinary thing of kneeling down in your bedroom and saying your prayers. Prayer is so profound, it is the very, it's probably the only supernatural thing that you do regularly. Did you realize that? Did you realize that you've been doing something supernatural? Something beyond this world, something that works on a completely different plane. We, we sang this morning about the battle belongs to the Lord. You probably haven't encountered armies clashing against each other, and yet you have. On another plane, your prayers constitute a battle, a battle that God is winning for you. So the Bible is full of people who prayed. So let's just have a quick run through. And I'll do this really quickly. And um, I'll send out some, uh, I'll send out all the references to you later in the week because it's, it'll be too quick for now. So we start right at the beginning, Adam and Eve. They walked with God in the, in the cool of the evening. Um, now Gary and I, some of our best conversations happen when we're walking. So. I'm pretty sure they didn't walk silently. I'm pretty sure they had a chat. And that's all prayer is. It's talking with God. Um, And they did that until sin interrupted. And I think it's an important thing to know that sin interrupts our prayers. Enoch, he walked with God, and God enjoyed it so much he took him away. Noah walked faithfully before the Lord, and he saved Noah and his family from destruction and judgment. Abraham talked with God. He even negotiated for an entire city. What kind of conversation was that? Really interesting. Abraham, um, I've just talked about him. Hagar, she was out in the wilderness at her wit's end, and she talked with God, and God revealed himself to her, and she found out that God is a God who sees me. Isaac prayed for his children, and he got them. Jacob prayed and then had a dream of open heavens. Moses talked to God face to face like a friend. He came down the mountain with a shining face. He talked with God that much. Um, Joshua talked with God, and and God encouraged him to be bold and courageous. Hannah prayed desperately, and God granted her a son whom she gave back to God. Samuel talked to God as a boy. David was a man after God's heart, and a lot of his prayers are actually written in the Psalms. Elijah was a man just like us, who prayed, and it didn't rain for four years, and when he prayed again, it rained. Elisha prayed, and his servant, his eyes opened and could see the armies of God. Hezekiah prayed and God actually fought the Assyrians for him. Josiah prayed and confessed and brought cleansing and revival to a whole nation. Jonah prayed and the fish spat him out. Daniel persisted in prayer despite opposition and he survived in the lion's den. Nehemiah prayed and God made a way for him to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. Esther prayed and delivered her entire people from certain death. Zechariah prayed, and God revealed to him how his son would make a way for his son, for God's son. Jesus prayed, sweating blood, making the ultimate decision to surrender to God because he loves us. Peter and John prayed regularly, and on the way, they made a lame man walk. Stephen prayed as he was dying, and that provoked Paul to go persecute the church, and maybe was part of why he could listen to God when God said, why are you goaded by me? Paul then prayed for all the churches, and his prayers are written down too. But he also prayed and saved sailors from certain drowning. And finally, in Revelation, the church prays. The spirit and the bride say, come. And there are more. (laughs) The Bible is full of people who prayed. It is so central. So, there's another quote I have for you. Prayer is the greater work. um, Oswald Chambers says, prayer does not fit us for the greater work, prayer is the greater work. Now, first thing about that, prayer is work. Sometimes, we think, oh, you know, it should all be easy. But God has set us a task. He calls us to pray. He calls us to talk to him. And in that talking with him, he unleashes things and unlocks things, binds things, and looses them. Um, It requires persistence and self-discipline. And neither of those things are particularly nice and comfortable things to hear. But I have been convicted recently, you need to have discipline to pray. So set your alarms. And I think the centrality of prayer is seen in Jesus. So he prayed for everything. And everything that he did flowed from a place of prayer and the communion with the Father. Um, there's a very interesting story when he's, he was on the Mount of Transfiguration And he comes down, and his disciples have been struggling to um, free this boy from demonic oppression. Um, Jesus comes down, sorts it all out, and then his disciples come to him afterwards and say, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus said to them, this kind only comes out through prayer. And to be honest, I think I've always read that and thought, he means us. He means that when we want to deal with this kind of demon, we need to pray. Never struck me until, like yesterday or today, that he was talking about himself. Jesus had to have prayed in order to do that work. He knew that the source of his power was not in his human form. It was in his Father in heaven. And if you think about prayer and Jesus praying, it's completely mind-bending. Talk about a mystery. Here is a man who talks to God and God talking to us as an incarnate man. <laughs> it's like, what? I, it, it baffles me. I don't understand it. Talk, Trinity stuff just makes my brain go funny. it's amazing. (laughs) It's remarkable. Jesus needed to pray. He needed to maintain his relationship with the Father, because that's what prayer is. It's about talking to God, talking with Jesus. This is what we do. And it's interesting that Lisa read Romans 8, because I'm also going to read Romans 8, and I know um, I probably should have picked... Bits of it, but Romans 8 is just so good. And Romans 8 reveals what it is about prayer. So bear with me as I read the entire chapter. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the of sorry, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, who raised, Jesus, who, sorry, who raised Christ from the dead, will also give life to your mortal bodies because his, of his spirit who lives in you. Now I'm reminded of that, that um, discussion that um, C.S. Lewis was talking about in Mere Christianity. That spirit is the one that motivates you to pray. And this is exactly it. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation. It is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are children of God. It's the relationship. We are His children. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship, and by him we cry, Abba Father. The Spirit allows us to cry, Abba Father, empowers us to cry it. The Spirit Himself testifies with our Spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. But I consider our present sufferings are not worthy, not worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. For creation waits in eager anticipation, sorry, eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed whole earth is waiting for us. For creation was subject to frustration, not by its own choice, but by the will of the one who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into freedom and glory of the children of God. We know that the whole creation has been groaning as the in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves, who have, who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption to sonship and the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we are saved. But hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. In our prayers, we have this hope. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If he did not spare his own son, but gave him up for all of us, how will he not also... along with him, graciously give us all things. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one he condemns? No one. Jesus Christ, who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So, just before the Spirit was interceding for us, and now we see that Jesus Himself is interceding for us. He's still praying for you. Thank you. Thank you Lord. So, who should separate us from the love of God, love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long, as we are considered as sleep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present or the future, or any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord." So good. That's why I couldn't choose. The thing is that Jesus' work on earth, when he walked this earth as an incarnate man, was rooted and grounded in prayer. He did nothing without talking to the Father first. He talks about that in, I think it's John 14. But he's still doing it. He ascended to heaven. So that he might give us the Spirit that intercedes through us. And he's up there with the Father praying for us. He talks with the Father about you. And he's rooting you on. He's saying, Look, There's a struggle there, but I know my son, my daughter will overcome because you've given them the spirit. And that spirit also in us brings up the words we need to say to God so that the battle in the heavenly realm will be won. It's amazing, really amazing. So all that is it's a bit, it feels a bit abstract, a bit mysterious. So how do we talk to God? How do we pray? How do we do it? And the disciples looked at Jesus and said, the way you pray is different from everybody else's way we pray. Teach us how to pray. And that's our prayer right now. It's my prayer. My prayer this, this last month and a half, and probably more than that, teach me how to pray. Because how can I stand up and tell you how to pray if the Lord has not t- taught me? And I'm still learning. We're all learning together. So we pray with Jesus to say, teach us how to pray. And he gave us the prayer that I read to you earlier. Sorry, actually, the first thing that Jesus says in the beginning is, go into your room and close the door. Because Jesus went to lonely places to pray. He knew what it was to step out. Prayer is a very intimate thing. It's a conversation between you and God. And it's intimate because you share your heart. And he shares his heart. Now there's time for corporate prayer, definitely time for corporate prayer. And I would encourage you, get to the prayer meetings this week because there's power in the people gathered together and praying. But if if you are not praying as an individual, corporate prayer, it's what the hypocrites did. (laughs) They pray so that everybody can see. Pray first in your room by yourself. Then pray with others. A couple of really practical things. You need to be intentional about your prayer. I know life is busy, and just like any relationship, you need to prioritize time to talk not just about the day-to-day stuff, but actually talk about what's going on inside. Just like when Gary and I have really hectic weeks, we talk throughout the day, and we do that with God too, but that's usually about, oh, will not you pick up the kids, or what are we having for supper, um, you know, oh, I haven't, haven't put that on the shopping list yet, let's put that on the shopping list. But sometimes you need to actually take some intentional time and say, how are you doing? What's going on with you? What are you worried about? And maybe we need to say that to God. God, what is it that is bothering you? And prayer is also not just downloading. Prayer is a two-way thing. And this is something I need to be reminded of. With people... I'm a relatively good, relatively good listener. With God, sometimes I just talk and 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 talk. And talk. Okay, we're done. And God is like, uh, wanted to say something that might have helped. Be intentional about having a conversation. Second thing, prayer needs to be from a place of humility. Be humble when you pray. There's a position. Sometimes we get very casual with God. Oh, Lord, you're you're a good friend of mine. We can have a chat. And sometimes that's good, but we do need to remember we are talking with the creator of the universe. The scriptures say, What is man that you are mindful of him? We are like dust. This is God. He is awesome. He is king. So when he talks to you, it's worth being obedient. You can talk aloud. And you can talk silently. You can... I've been challenged recently. Sometimes if I talk too much silently, or sorry, pray too, too much in my head, I just get... I drift away and I get distracted by my thoughts and the things I've got to do today. I'm disciplined to pray aloud. Yes. You've got to speak out those prayers sometimes. Um, And finally, and probably the most important one, I probably should have done this first, prayer has to be spirit-led. Holy Spirit. to, To show you what you should pray for, how you should pray. And sometimes that's praying in tongues, and sometimes that's just listening, as I've already touched on. Prayer does not change people or circumstances. God does. If it was the prayer, we could say, oh, this, these are the words, la, 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 and then bah, it would happen like magic. Prayer, the actual words you use, that's not the power. The power is in the person you talk to. So let me say that again. Prayer does not change people or circumstances. God does. So if you're not connecting with God, you're just talking to the air. And this is when the disciples asked Jesus how to pray, he taught him this prayer. I'll pop it up on the screen. Firstly, we talk to our Father in heaven, primarily about the relationship. And if that relationship is good, then the rest just flows. And that's what Jesus did. He had that relationship with God the Father. Hallowed be your name. Now, that is about worship. It's about what we did this morning. It's about lifting your arms up and singing his praises. But also, we bear his name. As Christians, our behavior and our actions and words... Bring him glory. So it's important that you are worshipping him in song, but also in word and deed. Your kingdom come. It's all about the kingdom. That's what Jesus was praying all the time, about the rule and reign of God coming here on earth as in heaven. Um, And it's surrender to him. Acknowledging him as king. And I think sometimes we take that as a really heavy thing. Like, oh, no, we've got to obey all his rules. But actually, in his kingdom is where you can be free to be all he's created you to be. In his kingdom is human flourishing, in his kingdom is freedom. Give us our daily bread. Now he's very much interested in your material needs, what do you want for lunch, what you're going to get for lunch, and he will provide those things. But more than that, Jesus said to his disciples, My food is to do the will of the Father. So the daily bread that we go to him, pray for your your, your food and your material needs, but also pray for him to reveal to you the good works that he has prepared in advance for you to do. Because he's got stuff for you to do. And those are the daily things we need to be doing. Forgiveness and confession is the next aspect. If there's stuff that is breaking your relationship, if there's sin, there's hurt there. And if you don't deal with that, that relationship will always be strained. So we need to forgive those who've hurt us and we need to confess to God the stuff that that has hurt him. And if you don't do that, your prayers will always be strained and hindered. The scripture says that if you do not forgive, God cannot forgive you. But that's a whole other sermon, so I can't do that now. Um... Lead us not into temptation. The scriptures encourage us. We will never be tempted more than we can bear. 1 Corinthians 10. And then finally, deliver us from the evil one. And this is the reminder that our prayers and our lives are not just on this earth that we can see. There is a realm beyond this realm. Something that's beyond. This is where the battle happens. This is where we contend. There's this quote here that I really thought was a powerful thing. It says, the one concern of the devil is to keep Christians from praying. He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, and prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil. He mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Do we contend for the people we love in prayer? And and I'm preaching to myself here a bit. Do do I believe that when I sit down and I pray, or when I kneel before God and I pray, that things are changing in the heavenly realms? Do I persist for the health and well-being of the people I love? Do I battle for their eternal souls? Do we contest for this generation and our leaders fighting the confusion and destruction that the evil one has brought? Sometimes we can be very glib about prayer. It's like, oh, your your mother is ill. Oh, I'll pray for you. But do you realize that when you pray, you are shaking the heavenlies, you are making a difference? I wish that every time I thought, oh, I'm going to pray about it, I would understand and have a revelation of just how much power is there. Church, you need to be praying. Because nothing that God does happens without prayer. so may I encourage you to pray. And why do we pray? Next slide. Because he hears us. (laughs) This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything in accordance with his will, he hears us, whatever we ask. (laughs) We know that we have what we asked of him. May your prayers be confident. Confident to know that you're praying and talking to a God who loves you. And maybe the answer won't come right now. But you have no idea what's happening in the heavenly realms. Daniel prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed, and he prayed. And eventually, he had a visitation from an angel. And the angel said to him, when you started to pray, when you started to pray, I came. But I was opposed, and there was a battle in the heavenly realms. Do you know that when you start to pray, God sends help? Church, you need to be praying. I'm talking to myself, Helen, you need to be praying. Yeah. Because what's at stake? And this is the scary thing, that... The scriptures say that when the Lord comes, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter his kingdom. And he'll say, depart from me, for I never knew you. So how do we know Jesus? How do we know God? How does he know us? How do you know anybody? By talking to them. So talk to him. Oh, Lord Jesus, teach us how to pray. Show us what you do when we pray. Help us, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that because you died and rose again, we can. Come to God as Father. Lord Jesus, you're still praying. (laughs) Help us through your Spirit to know you. And we just open ourselves up and ask you to know us. Teach us to pray. We've come to the end of this week's message. We hope you've been impacted and inspired. Keep up to date with everything that's happening by visiting our website at www.lifechurchwarrity.com.